Let's go. Not too hard, girls. Not too hard. Come on, that's like two and a half feet right there. Hello, Sarah. Welcome back to the Trails Collective interview series. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I can't complain at all. Um, so we had you on a couple weeks ago in the Trust Collective News Show, and you, it was wonderful. People loved it. And I wanted to have you back to do a little bit longer and get into some more fun stuff. Um, people know about you, but, you know, I think that uh, we have a different audience than, like, a national audience. A little bit more niche. Yeah. I think uh, this is just going to be fun. So thanks for doing this today. Yeah, no problem. So I actually want to start where you started running. So when did you start running? And um, was it high school, college, or did you just jump into ultras? Um, so I started running not in high school even. I was not a competitive kid. Well, my mom and my family probably would say I was a competitive kid, <laughs> but I didn't really do sports. I did like softball in the summers as a kid, and then I joined cross country because one of my friends did and I thought yeah this might be fun and we got out of sight of the coach and I walked the rest of the way and I never went back for another like training and then uh, I did track and field a couple of years I think but I was so anxious and nervous of racing against people on the track that I actually ended up just doing discus most of the time <laughs> discus or I did do long jump because that was like individual too you know so I didn't have to like line up and and deal with that competition feeling but um when I graduated from high school, I did a program called AmeriCorps, and I was based out of Sacramento, California, and it was a uh, team-based traveling program, and there were 10 of us, I think, and we worked and lived together, basically, so we were together all the time. Part of the AmeriCorps uh, program is physical fitness, because physical training, because it's a um, government-based program, you know, and we would run for, like, 15 minutes, you know, five days a week or something, maybe one day a week we'd go for 30 minutes. And I quickly realized if I ran by myself on my time off, I could get away from everybody else that I lived with <laughs> and worked with. So I started doing that and really enjoyed it. And then when I came back here to the Adirondacks, um, you know, I had grown up hiking and canoeing and spending a lot of time outdoors, but wasn't really running. Um, and I started doing it just recreationally with friends. Um, we started out doing like a marathon relay actually for a couple different years in Lake Placid for the Lake Placid Classic or the Lake Placid Marathon. And they stopped doing the relay. So then I was like, well, let me try the half marathon distance, see how that goes. That was fun and fine. And then I, you know, all this time I'm running on trails also to sort of just like use it as my meditation time and time to get away and um, quickly realized I could travel like through the mountains a lot farther if I was running you know and, and it became a challenge to see how far I could go and and different peaks I could run to um and just kind of continued that way you know it's like I remember sitting down and talking to a friend and saying I think I can do a marathon I don't know we'll see how far <laughs> my body can take me like I'm not super worried about like my cardiovascular system I'm worried about like my body being able to handle the stress of training um and then eventually it just became, you know, I never thought I would do a hundred mile race and now look at me. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, so now I race up to a hundred mile distance, um, you know, mostly uh, mountainous kind of ultra races, trail races. Um, in the wintertime here, you know, I do a lot of road running though to kind of work on speed and leg turnover and 
that's what I have available to me in the winter. You know, I, I do a little bit of snowshoe racing and snowshoe training here in the winter or backcountry skiing, but I do a lot of just road running. Um, this time of year right now, luckily things are really opening up. We still have quite a bit of snow in the high peaks though, so I'm trying to stick to low elevation trails, but. And they're all open. All the trails are open. I mean, as far as um, like the COVID-19 stuff goes, everything's open um, to anybody actually. They did restrict some parking in uh, like St. Hubert's parking area, but everything's open. And then, you know, I could go into the high peaks right now if I wanted to, but the snow's still there and it's pretty crummy and I'm kind of just avoiding it. <laughs> you know, it's like that, like kind of too icy in places and then there's still enough snow you're going to post hole, you know, above 3,000 feet. So I'm kind of trying to avoid avoid going in there, but sticking to a lot of like the mountain bike trails and stuff are really good because they do a lot of really great work here, um, you know, on like stormwater runoff and erosion management and all that sort of thing. So the trails drain well and so they're ready early, um, you know, in Wilmington and that sort of thing. So it's, it's nice. So um, I looking at your ultra sign up, you have a bunch of impressive finishes, um, but uh, it looks like you started in 2014. So back then, did you um, have immediate success? Um, I guess, but again, it's like, um, I guess that was weekly dam ultra. Is that on there for 2014? Um, so that's a great race, very small, uh, sells out pretty quick. You know, it's like you have to write in and, and apply and they announce it on Facebook, you know, as you, you know, and it all fills within an hour because it's within the Adirondack Park. You can only have, um, you know, so many people running an event that you have to apply for a permit for. So that race, I think is like 75 people. Um, and friends of mine were doing it you know, from up in this area. Um, it's a good like hour and a half, two hour drive from here, but the starting line, but I thought, you know, why not? That'd be kind of fun to go see how I do. Um, and it's an all self-supported race. There's no aid station. So you carry all your, you know, your water, water treatment with you because there's a lot of water available and had a great time, really enjoyed it and did well. Um, and then was thought like, okay, yeah, I can do this. This is fun. I can, <laughs> you know, do well at it. And then I did um, the Vermont 50 was my yeah, first. Yeah, it was like your miler. next race was a 50 miler. Yeah, and um, so the Wakely Dam Ultra is 32 and change. So, um, yeah, so, <laughs> so, and it's, you know, pretty, it's kind of rugged. It's just sort of, you know, it's like it's on the Northville Placid Trail in an area where there's, you know, barely any crossroads. So once you're out there, you're like out there. Either you're turning around and walking back to the start or you're walking to the. So um, after doing that race, I thought, you know, and I felt, had a really good day and felt really good. Um, and so I was like, I can keep going, you know, there's like, why not? I keep trying, keep going farther. So um, the Vermont 50 is another really great event that um, I think is really good for a first 50 miler because it's a lot of runnable terrain, which is also difficult if you're going to try to run everything. But at the same time, there's a lot of, it's, there's a mountain bike bike race going on at the same time so you have a lot of people around and it's exciting and people are encouraging you and um it's a you know beautiful time of year in Vermont it can be really hot the year I did it was in the high 80s so it was a warm race but um yeah it's a really fun event as well and how'd you do great I won that <laughs> that year so um not expected you know I kind of went out again actually with my friend Jan Welford who also was doing Wakely Dam. So he's kind of been in instrumental in my ultra running career. Um, 
and he was doing Vermont 50 and uh, I remember running into him and um, my friend Jason Fiegel who also did Wakely and they were running Vermont 50 and so I met up like caught up to those guys and I think Jason was having a bit of a tougher day and Jan you know had had really good results at Vermont before and the you know podiumed and didn't wasn't having a good day that day so he's like I'm going to drop you know I'll see you at the aid station like that sounds great and then he ended up pacing me in the last nine miles which was really fun um you know and finishing I didn't expect uh, I didn't expect to you know I just wanted to finish you know yeah. like first 50 you just want to finish and have fun and not have it be a miserable experience <laughs> and I, mean, uh, I finished like four fifties, and I still feel like I'd like to finish goal number one <laughs> yeah <laughs> agreed um and having fun, right? Like, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, and what I learned from Jan that day, I will say, like, like, he wasn't having fun out there, you know, like, he had gone into it expecting, you know, wanting to do well, because he had previous um, success there. Um, and when he, you know, didn't feel like he was having the best day, he then wasn't having fun. And so for him, it was like, I'd rather he'd rather just drop than, um, and, you know, because his mom was there, and he was able to spend time with family and, and still cheer for me and stuff. So that was great. Um, and crew for Jay too, Jason. So um, it was a good lesson though of like, if it's not fun, it's not worth doing really, you know, like there's certainly times you want to push through, but like, why, yeah, why do it if it's not a good time? It's every situation is different. You know, there's, I feel like there's some people that are like death before DNF and it's like, but really? And I mean, it depends on also what your motivations are to being there you know like I, I really figured out that the races that really suck for me are ones that I shouldn't have started it's not really like anything bad happens in the race it's like I should not have probably started and then it's right. just kind of crappy yeah so, I think I think if you go in and, right you need to go into it not expecting to drop because that's like a bad um you know you just don't want want to go into it with like a negative idea do that though I know they do um, but that means, right, you're probably, you're not trained well, you know, like things have happened leading up to the race that you're not prepared. Like I always tell my athletes that, um, you know, and everybody, I think, and a lot of people understand it's like, it's about the journey, you know, getting to that starting line is the challenge. Right. And then the cha the starting line is really just a celebration. You know, yeah. just, you should be out there enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so I call the race, the cake, like you're baking a cake and then especially like, in the, the week of taper, you're like really baking the cake and like adding all the extra things. And then right. the race is just, you get to eat the cake. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, like, and I like to say to people too, like, you know what happens when you do well at a race? Like not really much, <laughs> you know, like you gain some confidence, like you get to eat that cake and hopefully there's some sprinkles on there now and it's like yeah. extra delicious, but it doesn't really change that much you know no um, not even like immediately after like I feel like when you finish a trail race it's so like it's the it's the best because then everybody's there and it's fun but it's also very anticlimactic it's like you finish and for me sometimes probably for you too like no one's there so you're like yay and then everybody starts coming in and you're like clapping and stuff and like nobody remembers who won like because like the winner came in and you're like I don't know what the winner looks like because it was like four hours ago and you're all just sitting there eating chili and I can barely even remember what happened in the race and I just did it so it takes me like a week to like process anything yeah yeah I mean and that's I find that really fun like so I got into to go back to a little bit like how I started getting more competitive and um 
I ended up working for La Sportiva actually before I was on their national team and was a tech rep. So I was, you know, signed up for all these regional events anyway, like the Heiner Challenge, you know, down in Pennsylvania. And um, there was one in New Hampshire, I can't remember the name of it. And there, you know, like I had all these little races I was wanting to go do anyway. Um, and so the Northeast rep, Bill Pelkey, came to me from La Sportiva and said, do you want a job? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> He's like, well, we'll, you know, we'll make you a regional ambassador and then we'll pay you to go race these races and then set up the shoes and hang out afterward. I'm like, yeah, that sounds perfect. I mean, then I get to hang out and talk about running and, you know, running shoes. That's great. So it's paid for my expenses to get to races and, um, and that it was the best part, right? Like nobody, like, and you're right. I'd be able to go race the race and do well typically and finish so then I could hang out and talk to people and set up the tent and stuff, but nobody knew, you know, like it was just hanging out and talking about shoes <laughs> and running. Yeah. My favorite way to volunteer is cause I'm like, I don't know how to build a trail or anything. My favorite way to volunteer is race registration. Yeah. And then all the people that are like, especially for you, Cayuga trails, cause I'll be there and I'm running like, you know, the half distance or whatever. And everybody else like, oh, I'm running the baby. I'm only running a marathon. I'm like, okay, I'm running the marathon. It's a marathon. That's 26 <laughs> miles. Okay. And it is difficult. So you're not like, you know, it's, it's, it's all about reassuring. That's not the baby race. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's great. So in 2019, you won Broken Arrow. And Broken Arrow is like a month before Western States, right? That was 2016, but yes. yeah, 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 that's what I mean. It was <laughs> yeah. though, like right, it's right around Western States, right? It's the week, weekend before, typically, yeah. So then in 2016, did you like see Western States and did you were like, I want to come back here? I, um, yeah, so I actually, I think I flew out before Western States happened. So like we, so that's, that race in 2016, Broken Arrow, that was the first year for the race. Um, and I was invited to come participate by um, uh, one of the race directors and was kind of blown away that I was offered, you know, that the, an entry, you know, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to, but I wasn't sure I'd even make it. Like, I remember thinking like, yeah, sure, I'll sign up for it because they've invited me, but eh, I don't know if I'm going to go. <laughs> and then um, my mom and I went out just kind of like on a whim for just a short weekend trip. So we got there like Thursday night and I raced the VK on Friday, which was like Friday morning. So we got there Thursday night, I raced Friday morning, but it was a delayed start because there was like a snowstorm overnight. So there was like wind and snow like up on the top where they wanted us to finish. So they ended up delaying the start for that. And then Saturday was the 54K. And I think we might have left on Monday. So I was only there, you know, through the weekend, but that weekend they start setting up for Western States. Um, and it's the same, you know, we ran some of the course uh, that they take up to, you know, the first three miles of Western States up to Emigrant Pass. Um, so it was pretty amazing to like be there. And at the same time, I was sort of like, and there were racers coming in, you know, like, so some people came in to, to even run like just the VK of Broken Arrow that we're also going to race at Western States. So some of the pros and like big names and stuff. So that was exciting. Um, and it, you know, it was the first time for me being at a race that I, like they had a really great party and an expo set up and stuff at Broken Arrow. Um, they did it and it was even being the first year I could tell like this is a special place and a special event. Um, and they're so engaged in their community and really care and do a great job. Um, and it's probably my favorite race 
it's probably been my favorite race that I've been to. And I've been, I was there in 2016 and then 2017, I raced Western States. 2018, I went back and raced and then last year I broke my ankle, so I did not go. But I told the race directors, Brendan, I was like, yeah, I'll be here every year, hopefully if I can, even just volunteering. because it's really a fun, uh, really, really good fun community of people there. Um, so do you think is that what the East Coast needs? It's just like better pre and post race party and then we'll just be like lighten it up like the west coast i don't know that's an interesting question right like why is it that the west coast seems to get this reputation of like that's where the, the races are that's where the party is um but then like for example like heiner is an amazing event with i don't think yeah i mean there's a thousand people that line up to race that event in pennsylvania I don't think there's anything that big. I'm trying to think like in the US. Like it was that right like I've raised like lining up at UTMB with 2500 people behind me was pretty exciting but like lining up for Heiner almost as as exciting. <laughs> if they'd had the music playing maybe that they play at UTMB it would have been the same but um that's a good question. I don't know why the East Coast doesn't have the same reputation. I think, you know, we've made this this beast coast um kind of reputation because it is it's tough here like there's different environmental conditions that make it more rugged i think but at the same time west coast like there's a lot of really rocky really dry terrain that makes it also very difficult you know like environmental wise um so do you think that like making it so i think we like we created the beast coast because we wanted like more eyes on the east coast but do you think it's also been kind of like uh preventing people from trying it that's maybe i mean maybe yeah do you think it seems too rugged to some people but i don't know i mean i consider myself a beast coaster but i i don't run that like tough races like i mean i should i should just be like no it's okay you guys like really (laughs) look at me and i run here so you'll be fine yeah I, i think i think it's um i mean i also think it's something to do with the dynamics between like you know east coasters in general not just runners have a reputation of being sort of like standoffish and like goal oriented you know like in their everyday work life or whatever right and east west coast is very like new frontier kind of like wild west almost you know and i think um there's just something to it a little different yeah i don't know just different vibe, yeah. I think we are a little bit more, even though we like to say we're all hippie dippy trail runners, we are a little bit more uptight. Like right. there is like a chip on my shoulder, I feel like, especially because I've been talking to a lot of athletes um, recently and um, not a bad thing. They're not rude, but there are just like, I wanted, I would rather do this race that no one has heard of and do better than go and do this other race. You know, it's, it's uh, interesting. It's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think for myself, I like to challenge myself with a competitive field, you know, like, I will say, like, for example, like that Wakely Dam race, like, you know, it's not a competitive field. It's like the people that are doing it are, they love being out in the wilderness in the Adirondacks, you know, it's like, it's self-supported. It's um, really like, you're just out there, you know, on the trail with, you know maybe with other runners maybe alone um you know i so like i will say racing these kind of smaller east coast races has probably been a good thing for my career (laughs) 
where I can do well and um, you know certainly right like looking at ultra sign up have good results um, but I also really enjoy right going to these big races you know in Europe or in the west coast that are competitive to, not necessarily like I will say one of my largest weaknesses is probably comparison you know between my myself in previous years but myself against other racers and and um, athletes so I try not to do that but I do and but I really also enjoy just going and lining up with a competitive field. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, this year I was planning, I was like Lake Sonoma, the first one, this is reality check Ellie, because you've had some success over here, but that's the big dogs. And you know, I, uh, I was ready and I was like, okay, this is going to be a huge reality check for Ellie. And then it was canceled. So I was like, well, maybe that's a sign. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, yeah, I guess I'll say like for the last two years, I've been signed up for like the North Face 50 in San Francisco. Um, I raced that in 2016 and then we signed too. up. Nice. Yeah. And um, First 50. It was, oh, really? Nice. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a tough one. I mean, again, it's like so runnable. It makes it really tough with those climbs that you could run if you, you know, like were a maniac. But um Sorry, can you hear my dog barking outside? Just a little. It's not bad. It's fine. It adds to the ambiance. Okay, good. It's real. Um, um, so, like, going out to the – it, like, puts you in a scenario where, like, you have to find out, you know, who you are, right? Like, and what kind of racer you are, certainly, you know? Like, do you race your own race or do you, like, try to, you know, keep with a front pack? Or do you, like – it's definitely helped me – being in those types of scenarios like even with broken arrow for example like i was racing to try to keep up with the front pack of people you know but it also pushed me to a level that i don't know that i would have gone to alone for sure understood i mean i think um coming from the, just running on the, mar the marathon on the roads um recently i still feel like i'm in the run my own race and run at a pace or run at an effort i'm more of an effort-based runner Mm -hmm. then I am like I should stay with Steph Bruce at the front because you know like I want to be up there I'm just not at that level yet and so I think that actually plays well into trails because like some races that I've been to like people like jet off the start line and I'm like where are you going you got seven hours and so I think that like being a little bit I've been trying to be like a little bit more run my own race in the beginning and then see how the day goes because like it's so long it can change so like I mean, I might as well like run how I'm feeling like I should start running in the beginning and then like either amp it up or like take it back a little and see yeah. rather than like try to pace myself off somebody else. But it'll be yeah. interesting to see like when the next races happen and, um, you know, I'm still learning. So it'll definitely always be an in fluid process. For sure. I think, um, yeah, I think, and I will say like probably right back like in 2016 I was a new very new to the competitive scene so for me it was probably a mistake to push you know like I mean I, I it turned out okay but like I also learned some lessons you know like um yeah like it's just it's tough to to know but I do think it's pretty exciting when you do come out of it okay even though you're pushing probably too hard and you're like oh I yeah this is it, it gives you that confidence to get to a new place where you might not have gone to otherwise definitely I totally agree do you find that like 
for more um, women than men, um, I just, as I read articles and things like that, just, this just like sticks out to me. I think that women, and this is good, like it's taught me that you can be running and then have like a low point and that doesn't mean your race is over. It just means you got to like keep going. It doesn't mean you went out too fast. It doesn't mean anything. It just means it's a low point, like take mm-hmm. stock. Cause I feel like sometimes men more often, most not elites, I don't think more like age groupers will just drop at that point. Like I went out too fast. So I dropped. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? Or am I just like reading into something? I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree. Like, I don't know if I've noticed that trend, I guess. I've noticed more frequently. It feels like, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Ella. Um, I would say, I think that I've noticed more, like maybe more men elite will drop like if they think that their race is not going to work out, they drop early. Cause I mean, a lot of times elites will have other races on the calendar that they're like, well, or there's other options. Right. So like, if you don't finish this race next, you know, two weeks, there's a different 50 K I could race, you know, that could take its place. So like, if you don't bury yourself this week, you know, two weeks from now, maybe there's an event you could do. So I think sometimes elite look at it that way, I would say. Um, I personally have always been the type that's like, I can finish this. Like I can, there's worse things I could do than walk out of here for seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I enjoy it. Like I really like racing, but I also like running. So I'm like, even right. if I don't feel like I'm super competitive right now or like, I don't know, so unless it's like an injury or I do have another, or if it's like a buildup race and I do have another race that I want to save a little for. Yeah. I mean, generally I'm like, this is just, good to be chilling out here on the trails with my friends yeah I mean I think too I plan my calendar such that like I plan on putting in a good effort so I have time to recover you know in between mm-hmm. but yeah it's interesting to cross over between marathons and ultras because um like at least building up for like a big marathon even if I would like even if it wasn't going very well like that's my event I'm not going to be able to recover my body quick enough to like race something in two weeks, you know? Right. So it's like, I'm, I, you know, it's the, that point of like, I might as well because I am not running again, <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's interesting, but so let's go back and talk about then. So 2016, you win Broken Arrow, you see Western States. And then um, 2017, you decide to move into your truck and, um, basically do a tour on the, um, towards the West coast and then run Western States. So funny story in 2017, I was planning to move into a van and I did in 2018. So actually I would read like some of your articles and stuff when I was like, how did she do this? Okay. A little different cause it's cold here, but like I can, I you know it's inspiration. <laughs> um, so yeah, why don't we talk about that? Let's bring back 2017. Sure. Um, so actually the first time that I lived out of my truck was in 2015. Um, and that was for four months. So that was a long time, but again, it was summertime out West and so I still, like it barely rained, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that cold. It was okay. Um, but that set up, I had a uh, Ford Ranger that I created a bed in the back with a, um, cubby cabinet kind of on one side. Uh, and it was just a small, because the Ranger truck bed is really small. It was a 2005 
truck. So it was tiny, but it's six feet long. Um, so I had like a two foot bed that I slept on with me and my little dog, Mocha. And um, then I got my Tacoma. And so when I got the Tacoma, I thought, all right, I'm going to, um, you know, like plan this out a little different, but I ended up almost with the same setup. So it's got a uh, four foot bed in it, like a full sheet of plywood, <laughs> four foot by six foot, which is much more comfortable. And then my cubby along one side where I can put stuff. And um, I'm able to like fold the bed in half though. So I could put it like if I wanted a little more space to like sit and do something in there, I could. Um, my One of my lessons from my ranger was getting a truck cap that's tall enough that I could sit up inside. So that's really helpful. So van, I looked at getting a van before I got the Tacoma thinking maybe I'd get like a, a you know, a Dodge Promaster or something like that and test drove a couple actually. And I just couldn't get used to it being my everyday driver vehicle also. Um, Cause I do live in a house, you know, some people be like, Oh, how do you survive? I'm like, well, I have a house that I go back to, but I do, you know, in I'm a fair weather truck liver, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or van lifer. Um, so the truck it's set up great. Like I have a little solar panel on top with a little battery generator, they call it, that's a, uh, a Goal Zero Yeti 150 or something. So I can charge a laptop and my watch, um, my phone, those sorts of things off of it. Um, but, you know, like living out of the truck in the desert or, you know, in the Pacific Northwest is pretty simple. You don't really need a whole lot. And it, it made it really nice to like, just pull up to the trailhead and that's where you camp for the night. And, you know, out West, it is much easier than the East Coast, I find, because there's so much more public land a lot of BLM land and a lot of, um, you know, national forest land where you can basically just drive up a dirt road and, you know, um, disperse camp wherever you want. So, um, that was my plan, you know, and that I've always had, you know, in 2015, I had that, I did that for four months, which was amazing. And I traveled around the U S sky running circuit for that in, in 2015. Um, so when 2017 came around, I thought, well, why not, um, you know, make a big trip at, well, I'll start with, I was offered a, a sponsor spot for Western States through Jalbo, um, which was amazing. You know, I was not expecting that either, was really honored. And so I um, created the La Montagna tour, which is Italian for the mountain love tour, basically, sort of. So I was like, okay, I'll create a training tour so I can go like southern Utah for a few months because this was in the end of April and May we're here you know it may snow here next week so <laughs> I was like it'd be nice to go somewhere warm where I can um you know train and get some mountain time in and um and why not you know I've always sort of had this like wanderlust that um I think I probably get more from my dad than anyone. He travels a lot of times out of a, um, like a scamp trailer from 1974 or something. And, um, he just, he lives in Idaho and, or Arizona in the wintertime. And, um, I mean, it's just like a very simple, very sort of ideal lifestyle. Um, and so for like how much you need and how much you really don't. Right. And, and I found in 2000, 2015, when I came back from that excursion, you know, it was like, yeah, I have all this stuff here that I haven't used for four months that I don't really need, but how quickly I just fell back into that routine, you know, it, 
it's easy, but it made, gave me this appreciation for like running water is amazing. <laughs> like a flushing toilet's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, like heat, you know, is just like this, like, oh, it's so nice to have these things. So it makes you really appreciate those small things so much more. Yeah. Um, although I will say like making coffee on the tailgate of the truck is somehow more enjoyable sometimes and making it in the house I don't it's just like one of those things like it's the process oriented yeah. stuff like you know? breakfast after a morning run just like like your van doors open you're just like this is actually very nice yeah yeah and I think it's too like you it's this the simplicity of like you're not your day isn't filled with um you know like my obligations for the day were like making sure I had enough gas to get where I was going <laughs> making sure I had like groceries to last me maybe a week if I wasn't going to be in a town um and where I was going to go running and that was it you know so it makes it so much simpler than like you know I think we're all experiencing now being stuck at home like it becomes a little like overwhelming when you have access to all of this input all the time through like social media and all these things so being out in the middle of nowhere without cell phone service for days on end sometimes was pretty nice it was yeah it was a nice thing after the initial anxiety wears off you're like actually I never want to go back and um <laughs> and you realize that like not everything needs to be answered immediately and that you're not saving the world so it's not a huge deal yeah yeah I think you know and it, um I struggle internally sometimes with like the selfishness of that you know there's certainly like um like being involved with friends and family versus like being kind of a um very introverted <laughs> except somewhat extra extroverted athlete that just lives in their truck in the mountains you know it's um yeah sometimes you know i think a lot of people probably struggle with those commitments and how to handle that stuff um, well, sure. I mean, it's, a it's definitely a balance. Yeah. I think that our society is so warped right now that like every notification needs to be answered immediately when really it's just like, it's okay if you don't answer for like five hours, like it's really, or the next day, like, I'm not saying we should all just ignore everybody and go lit. It's like, no, but just, you can relax about responding to everything immediately. It's okay. It's actually really good. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. how did, um, Western States go? So Western States did not go as planned. <laughs> um, I went into it feeling pretty good. Like I, when I left here to go on the tour, um, I was feeling pretty strong and good, but you know, had been kind of burning the candle at both ends, probably all winter. Um, I was working almost full time as a nurse then. So I would get up, you know, to go running at 4 a.m. in the winter <laughs> with a headlamp, you know, and then go work 12-hour shift. Um, and, you know, at the time, I didn't feel bad. Like, I felt good. I was like, this is, you know, an exciting time. Um, and I went on this road trip, and I started, um, at the time, had really bad cystic acne that I had never had before. And I was kind of attributing it to, like, Hey, maybe it's just something I'm eating. Maybe I have like a gluten intolerance or something happening. Nope. Um, Whenever I get it, it's because I'm tired. Stress, right? And yep. yeah, yeah. your body's not recovering. So for me, like I kind of like, I tried not to think about it. It really did affect how I thought about myself though and, and how 
I like even interacted with other people. I never thought I would be so self-conscious that way, but really am. Um, so that was kind of eye-opening. And then, um, so training went well though. And I got to the race at Western States and was still sort of dealing with that. Hadn't really figured out what it was. Like I thought it was maybe a rash. I thought I had like, I didn't know what was happening. I even went to the doctor. They put me on antibiotics for 10 days um, in, while I was in Utah. I skipped out. I was going to attempt a Mount Whitney FKT attempt and I was on antibiotics and I was like, nah, this probably is not the best idea. <laughs> so I skipped out on that. Um, and then I, you know, but still showed up for the starting line at Western States and felt okay. Like I felt like, okay, I'm ready for this. Tried not to get too, you know, absorbed in, in the whole scene. Um, and really enjoyed, I went and volunteered at Broken Arrow that race. So that was really exciting and fun. And a lot of my teammates from La Sportiva were there. So that was fun. And, um, so race day came, it was a year, um, like if you've seen the movie Unbreakable, have you seen that? Yeah. I just watched it last night for the first time, actually. Me too, and I'm still, like, killing it. How did you keep that, like, that suit white the whole time? I'm like, that, like, the whole, like, I was rooting for the suit. Like, I was like, come on, you're almost done. And he I did that. I was like, I think, I think his outfit won. I couldn't believe it either. I'm like, those are some short shirts that are not dirty. Yeah. <laughs> um, white. But <laughs> the, the conditions were really similar to the year in 2017 to that year, like a lot of snow early on and a lot of like, when you see them like slipping and sliding up top, like this memory popped into my head. Um, we were up in that, that zone and I passed Camille Heron is like sliding down the side of like a snow bank <laughs> with like her Nike, you know, like they're like running, like road running shoes on basically. Um, and she just wasn't used to being in the snow, you know, like it, and I was really comfortable in the snow coming from here. Um, but you know, immediately our feet got wet really early on with just all the water runoff and it was, it got to be like 105, I think in the canyons that year that I did it. So, you know, you're just like drenching yourself in water and ice water and, um, by mile 62 at Forest Hill, my feet were pretty, like pretty bad, but I was sort of trying to ignore it. I was like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and they were just like, you know, soaked and I changed my shoes. Um, but really should have like been doing preventative things back like at dusty corners and like really, like really early on. Um, but didn't. So, and I probably should have like told people, you know, cause they were saying to me, like, do you want me to not get water down your shoes? And I was, didn't really think about it. You know, like they, the volunteers are, are, um, you know, thinking about that thing, that stuff. And they want you to like lean forward to like drench you in ice water. But I didn't really, I was like, whatever, it's fine. You know, they're already wet. And um, sometimes I feel bad for asking volunteers for things. <laughs> they're amazing. It's really why. amazing. Like they're, I was like having a really good race. I remember being like, so happy to see like every, cause they're all excited. You know, they're, like Western States is a really, I didn't understand really beforehand before I went, like how this people get so obsessed yeah. You know, like it becomes people's lives, you know, it's like they live for Western States and now I know why. I mean, it's like, it really is like, there's nothing like it. Um, and I remember I was invited to be on a panel at, um, it's called the aid station. It's like a, it's like a, a, a shoe store slash like community gathering area. And so I was on a, this panel with like Craig Thornley and, um, a bunch of other folks that have been in Western States, you know, for 
forever and the room is filled with people that are have done western states like you know there's a lot of silver um that's you know 10,000 or 1,000 mile buckles in that room you know and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing here (laughs) and that night was the first time I was like okay this and everybody's telling stories you know and I was like this is a really is a really special place and I remember Craig saying during that panel um you know like if everybody could watch or be at the finish line of Western States for the golden hour, you know, the last hour, the world would be a better place. And I agree with that. I think watching people finish Western States after 30 hours of being out there and pushing their bodies beyond what they think they could do is like, you can just feel like it's just uplifting. And it's like, there is so much power in that. Um, But anyway, so we'll go back to my story. So I get to Forest Hill and my feet aren't doing great. Um, But I was like, okay, I'm, you know, like, and I've had run a lot of the course beforehand. Um, A friend of my, a friend that I met actually just on Facebook, like weeks before the race, allowed me to like stay in his driveway in my truck and he would um, shuttle me, like he'd drop me off and I would run back to his house to Forest Hill or um, yeah, he would pick me up, that sort of thing. So I saw a lot of the course ahead of time, which was good. So I knew from Forest Hill, I had some really nice runnable downhill. um, And I was looking forward to that. And when I got to Cal 2, I got, and I just wasn't doing good, you know, it was like really hot, feet hurt. I wasn't eating a lot. It was getting worse. And yeah, it was by the time we got past Cal 2. And like, I was, had just fallen out of the top 10 for the women. I think I was in like maybe 13th place or something. So I like, I got a little pumped. I'm like, okay, good. I, maybe I can come back. Cause I'd been in the top 10 the first half. And then my feet just continued to go, you know, like just get worse and more painful. And by the time I got to the river, uh, I was just like hobbling, like people were passing me walking. Like I was going so slow. They were walking and passing me. <laughs> So I got to the river, I got up to Green Gate, and I sat down up there and my crew was there and I was like, I think I'm done. Like, this is just, this is mile 80. And I was like, I think I'm, I don't think I can do this, you know, and I'm crying and I take my shoes off and my feet, like every toe is like blistered with like like water filled blister or liquid filled blister. Um, There, like the crease in, on the pad of my front, you know, in the front of my foot was just like super deep and kind of like starting to shear a little bit you know and it was like it was yeah not good so I mean really and it's all because my feet were wet the whole time but um so we sat there we got some uh two tums blister shield which is like a powder a hydrophobic kind of wax powder and we put that put that on my feet and it repels water but it also helped to kind of like pull water back out of my you know the third spaces in my feet (laughs) <laughs> so I sat there and I drank a beer with like a Takati or something that one of the aid station people had and um so she's sitting there with me and you know she's like how could why are you doing this race and I was like well you know I'm like being I was just like in a really bad mind space and I was like I don't know <laughs> I don't even know why I'm doing this race I only got in it because I got a sponsored spot and she's like well you know like the only reason I've been at an aid station worker for the last like 10 years is so that hopefully I get an opportunity to race this race someday. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I probably should be a little more appreciative. And then, um, Maggie Gerderall walked through 
and I'd already been sitting there for probably like an hour. And this is like, you know, I'd lost a lot of time at this point. And I thought she, like she was probably way ahead of me. So she comes through and I'm like, what are you doing out here still? And she goes, I don't know. What are you doing out here? She's like, I'm having a hard day. And I was like, I think I'm done. You know, I don't know if I can keep moving. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, we're all having a hard day, but we're going to keep going. And it was, you know, it was because it was so hot that day. A lot of people had had rough races so far. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, let's try this, I guess. So I stood up and like kind of tried to just walk for a minute, you know, like see how my foot felt. We cut my shoes back open to put them back on because they, my feet were still so swollen that I couldn't get my shoes back on. So we like cut out the toe of my, the top of my foot, but left the toe bumper in there so that I can put my shoes on. And then I only, I still had my beer. I only had finished it yet. So I'm like, let's go. And so we just start walking down this, my poor pacer, Corinne Malcolm. I don't think she was planning on, I think she thought I was done, you know? So she had like planned on pacing me from there to the end. And I was like, come on, let's go. And so she's like, really? I was like, yeah, let's move. And we literally walked. I was like, we can walk, right? And at that point from Greengate, you have to walk to where the cars are parked anyway, which is like a mile and a half. So I was like, well, let's at least start moving in this direction. If I'm, you know, if this is no good, then at least I'm at the car, you know? Um, And at that point, once I got up and started moving, it was sort of like my mind had flipped and I was like, yeah, I can just walk out of here. It's fine. It's like no big deal. 17, like, and then as we're going, I was like, oh, only 17 miles left. Totally fine. Just going to keep walking. (laughs) And so it took us 20 or it took us um, like eight hours to walk that 20 miles out of there. And I finished in 20, uh, 29 or 28, 50 something, I think. And um, so that was a new experience for me to like have, I only passed one person who, um, after that was Scotty Mills, who's a well-known uh, ultra runner in Cat Lake in that region. He's done Western States. I want to say he's probably one of the thousand mile buckle owners. And um, I think he's a race director for San Diego also, but um, he, poor guy, is like leaned up against a tree, like his lower back muscles weren't really responding anymore. So he was having a hard time standing up straight. So he's the only guy that I ended up passing actually. And we stopped and chit chatted for a little bit. and. Um, we both were just like, I don't know, why are we do, why do we do these things? <laughs> like, look at us out here. You. And it was like a, an amazing experience. So to have um, that perspective from, you know, like ch- being in the top 10 to then chasing cutoffs in the same event was a pretty, uh, you know, humbling experience, but also rewarding. And finishing it was like, uh, it was exciting to be, I was happy to be done, but I was also sort of like disappointed in my, like I was excited that I had finished and pushed through, um, disappointed in the results considering I went into it with expectations. So that was a lesson also, and certainly learned, yeah, a ton, you know, like as far as foot care and all that, like those technical uh, aspects, like really have changed for me now, but, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an eye-opening experience, I guess. So have you thought about maybe bringing it to the East Coast and doing like a tour to Eastern States? <laughs> that, that would be cool. That'd um, be awesome. I, yeah, I have not spent much time in the South at all. So that would be kind of cool. I could go down there and do some training. Um, yeah, I mean, the Eastern States scares me a little bit 
too. Like, <laughs> that sounds I like a really to good winner, Wesley, last week. And dude is like 21. And he just, he's like, yeah, I just sort of did it. No lows, like, course record. And I'm like, oh, he's, well, he's 21. He's still, he like, um, he lives with his family right now. And like, I'm like, dude is too young and doesn't have enough experiences to have those demons that come out during those hundreds. Like I tell you, I got a lot of them. So no, he was great. Um, but he made it seem manageable. So it's just maybe something, you know, something we yeah. can plan. If I, if I, uh, if I force you to do, if I encourage you to do this, I'll help you plan it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, there's a lot of places, you know, and I have found, especially like considering the age that we're in, like staying closer to home, you know? Um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool places I have not seen yet that that would be a cool, that would be a cool project to like do an East coast tour. Um, and yeah, with like a, a, a finish line of a race start somewhere would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I feel like the last time a, like a big name did something cool on the East coast with like Scott Jarek and the Appalachian trail. <laughs> That's yeah. honestly what comes to mind, so that's bad. Yeah, I think, you know, and that goes back to, like, what is it about the East Coast? You know, I did a cool little, um, I was it in 2018, I did a little, uh, like, north, like, Northwest tour, and I went from here to Vermont and did, like, Camel's Hump and Mansfield and then over to New Hampshire and ran with some friends there and then went to Maine and went to Acadia and um, just to, like, see different little trailheads and trail areas that I hadn't been to before and you know just out of the truck and that was really kind of a, an interesting like just gave me appreciation for what we have here that you don't see you know like in the media basically mm -hmm. it definitely has decreased my wanderlust just like noticing what I have right outside my door yeah and I'm like I don't need to go anywhere I have beautiful stuff here yeah yeah well um we've been going for a while now uh so why don't you um what do you have any plans uh, for the this 2020 like any uh, obviously not races but FKTs are something that you like so uh, what's yeah. next well I had mentioned uh, last time we talked about maybe doing the 46er supported FKT so that's still you know like I think the goal I was thinking about it though I um, was thinking about doing Leadville this year so that's um, in August so there's potential that might still happen um it is a uh la sportiva is the headlining sponsor for that event so it would be and i was there last year for it not racing just crewing and and helping out and i would love to Kara? do that huh you see Kara goucher i actually did not see her because she did the marathon right distance i think it's a different day oh so I was there for the 100 mile i think it's a different yeah that's a different weekend but um it's a it's a really I had been there a couple of times I did a, a training camp with La Sportiva there as a as a runner guide um and was there for the race last year and it would be a pretty fun you know it's a bucket list race right um but it depends on who knows what's going to happen with the you know races in general but um and I did say like if I'm going to ever race that event I need to go out with some time to uh, acclimate to the altitude when I went there for the training camp, I remember going up over Hope Pass at 12,000 feet and was like dying. <laughs> and I, this was, that was just like on a training run, you know, like we went up and over and back 
and um, up and over the first time felt fine. Coming back over, you know, to go back down, I was like, I'm supposed to help, like, be the guide to helping other people. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to be rescued up here. But um, so that was, you know, and I don't do really well at altitude. I need some time typically to either, either I need to go out and race the next day or I go out with like three weeks. So depends, just depends on what happens. Um, if the race is going to still happen, I would like to go out with a couple of weeks to train out there and um, spend some time in Colorado probably and explore a little bit. That w It's a state that I started exploring last year a little bit, but before that really hadn't spent any time out there. Cause I was, it's probably cause I knew how cool it is and I didn't want to like have another place yeah. that I need to go to. But, um, so that's, that's a thought for the summer. So I'm thinking if I do the 46er, it may end up being like end of June, early July, and then heading out West for a couple of weeks, you know, to acclimate and train and be out there. Well, that sounds like a, that sounds lovely, actually. I, I, Leadville is very, it's on my radar, not for me personally, just like, it's, it, I'd like to read about everything. So, yeah, I've read a lot about it, especially with Rob Carr last year. That's yeah. exciting. So, yeah. Well, that's really cool. Thank you, Sarah. Um, but to close, why don't we uh, tell people where they can find you online? You have a blog that I read this morning. It's great. And, um, yeah, so why don't you tell people where they can find you? Sure. Um, so my blog is sarahruns.com, Sarah with an H. And I haven't actually put anything up recently, so I should probably write something new. <laughs> um, but you can find me there. And that has links to my Instagram, uh, which is sarahkeyes underscore runs. Uh, and then I think Facebook is the same thing. But you yeah. could do a race report for your last race on Ultra Sign Up, which is mended, which where we went uh, together. That was fun. So that was my first time putting a race bib on, race bib on at all in uh, 2019. So that was my only race. Yeah, which was exciting. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> and it was super fun. And then I went back to Menden and did like a 20 mile training run. I kind of just kept doing the loop, you know, it's so and pretty. it's a great spot, you know. Um, oh, and last weekend I did the Crescent Trail and got a new women's FKT on that. So that yeah. was super fun. And again, that was like a, just a cool trail that I, you know, like had done a few miles on it prior. Um, my boyfriend lives in Rochester area. So I'd done a few miles on it training and it's a, another like just close to home adventure that people can go explore, you know, it's just super fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really like it a lot out there. Um, you could come to uh, Zero SPF, which is in July. Right. That's, um, that's on the Crescent Trail, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The year I did it, it was cold. <laughs> I was like, hmm, this was, I don't need any sunscreen, actually. Um, and then last year, instead of doing it, I had to do this, like, a half marathon on the road, which I almost died because it was so hot. So I don't really know. Maybe I just shouldn't race in July. I know that's one of the deciding factors if I do the 46, you know, like, I'd rather it not be, like, super hot super buggy bugs are an issue up here too like oh god yeah if the black flies are terrible or the mosquitoes so it's like i don't know if it's i don't know we'll see so yeah. it it's it might be kind of like a fluid deciding factor about when that happens and if i'm you know if my mountain legs are really ready or not yeah <laughs> yeah all right well thank you for talking to me sarah and um yeah i hope you have a good rest of your day and a healthy training cycle thanks yeah great to talk to you